Welcome to Kashmir in Yiddish with your host Shloima Devoila and part four in this series. So take a look at where you've been, A.B. Um, you made it to Paris and found uh, your aunt's uh, namesake and where she's buried. Well, 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 what I wanted to say was I wrote to these uh, district offices and I got two responses. And then I found out that she's buried in the cemetery. So I had my uh, son-in-law contact the cemetery and he found the exact location. And I was going to plan to put uh, with Salah a monument, but what happened is, after 50 years, the Jewish council paid up to 50 years for the upkeep of the grave. And then after that, they kind of uh, took all the graves and they put, put them in another location that you really can't find. So, you know, it was paid up to for 50 years. And then after that, they dig people up and put them to another site because it wasn't. Had we known that earlier, or there would have been, you know, obviously would have done something. But I, we, I've been to her grave site the, before it was moved three times to pay respect. I've been to the towns where, you know, I, I paid respect for grandfather three times. I, I regard that as like, you know, I describe it as like a slap in the face. It's just like, yeah, you do have history. Yeah, you do have, you know, flesh and blood that was buried there. Yeah. You know, you go to these towns and places and you see the houses and you try to imagine when your dad was saying, oh, he lived in Gernerinik, that there is an exact location called Gernerinik. And Rinik is a town square and the name of it is Gurna. And I walked all over. I was I felt so like an explorer. I've taken trains and taxis and um, with my limited amount of of Polish figure out people speak English pretty well and they're, and they're very friendly and, and they were gracious. I really enjoyed the, um, going there and, and I'm not stopping not going. I enjoyed, I went with Sal twice. And where else did we went also? To Krakow. To Krakow, but we also went to Germany. And that's where my dad is buried. And he um, made it through the war. He came from the town of Auschwitz, um, was interned in Auschwitz, got a tattoo, and I think went to five other camps before he was liberated in Dachau, where he met my mom. And I was born in 1947. In 1949, he died of cancer, terrible death. And in 1951, my mom and I came to St. Louis, Missouri, through New Orleans. And it was in St. Louis where she met Joseph, who was Abe's dad, my stepdad. And uh, that's where that part of the story kind of came together. Now, I'm a twin. And take a look at uh, God's wisdom. Had my other twin lived, I don't know if my mom mentally or our mom mentally could have made the journey with twins across the ocean. And would Joseph, our stepdad, assume the responsibility of twins? He assumed the responsibility of one child, but to assume the responsibility of twins. So history has a way of working itself out. 
but we paid respects at my father's grave. Who's ma- he's, How many times have you been? Well, I've been there about three or four times and uh, hope to go one last time. And uh, he's buried in a Jewish cemetery in Feldafing, Germany, which was a DP camp. And uh, that's kind of where we've been throughout Europe. And I really give kudos to my brother for his investigative abilities uh, to really find out who and where his family uh, has located. Well, our family. You know. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, our grandmother was shot in the street in front no, of no. her house. Right in front of her house. Yeah, right there. And unfortunately, the next day, the father left with the rest of the kids, including his one little son who was a paraplegic, and he carried him on his shoulders, and they all were overcome in troubling. He, he, he wasn't a paraplegic. He had uh, polio. Well, not a paraplegic, but uh, he, had, he, had, he had polio. Yeah. And so that's kind of um, a little bit of a background of who our family was. And my brother and I, both born on the same day, same month, five years apart. And um, I think throughout our lives, we've, uh, we've enjoyed a pretty good relationship. And days today are spent talking about our memories growing up. And we have wonderful, vivid memories of what it was like. And... Uh, a lot of times, Abel start a sentence, and I'll finish it, or I'll start a sentence, and Abel finish it about some of the various activities and expressions in Vinach Matgeret and the Altaheim and Vinach Sedota Gigangia. And uh, for anyone who has that kind of a Yiddish haretz, it was uh, it was a wonderful time to uh, to grow up and have parents that, that cared about you. I think it was a great experience traveling, you know, to see, to go to Germany, because I saw so many pictures of Feldafing and knew about your father and pictures and all these things. And then to see the grave and then to go there and to visit and to say, I remember visiting you one time. You say, well, this is the size of the, the cemetery in your backyard up in Minnesota. And I said, I can't imagine, but being there, it was just, you know, you put two in. There's nothing like being there and seeing it with your own eyes. And not only that, but to go to where your mom was playing as a kid, like, like a child, you know, out in the backyard or out in the street or going. There's a picture of her with Uncle Fischl on a, on a horse and buggy, but they were delivering soda water. And it's just like, wow, you know, horse and buggy times. It wasn't like... They had a truck. <laughs> yeah. This is... Uh, and, and just to imagine, this is the house where their family was going up and down the stairs. The irony also... Uh, there's no word to describe where you see the... Uh, I knew where my dad and his wife and child were in the ghetto. And they were in this uh, one house, but... I saw the stairway, and it always meant a lot to me to say that stairway was probably, they had to leave. They were going up and down, and they were in the ghetto for so many years. And, you know, it was a frightful situation. It was basically hell on earth. And then here, you're on that same stairway. So you, 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 there's this movie, Time Machine, and here, you know, you go back 50 years or 60 years, this would have been a frightful place to be. 
and here you know it, 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 you can see that this is the stair that they walked down when they had to leave and they were you know liquidating you know the ghetto and that's it you know or, or you see the same place uh, where he was to pay respect uh, for his father and here I come and I was paying respect out of the clear blue not knowing that I would ever have that experience well, Amy, uh, it sounds like you've led a really an interesting life and that you, any time you've traveled, you've told me some of the places that you've gone and uh, you've always managed to find the Yiddish or the Jewish section of town. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's fascinating to hear your stories. Uh, really want to thank you for taking the time to share your memories my pleasure no problem and um it was a um, a great time growing up we i think we are very very close uh and had a common theme to our life and uh, we have some wonderful wonderful memories i have to tell you about this one experience is that okay i uh did a paper tray um rubbing at the grandfather's matsaiva and i I, I had enough sense to have paper with me, and I was always traveling with, with paper. But how do you do a, a paper rubbing? Because I wanted to get that image of the, uh, of the Torah, or, or it was a crown, a crown. And I just had a sheet of paper, and I took a piece of uh, rock, and I rubbed it up against there, and I have that. And when I came back home to Fort Lee, I, I was really kind of jet-lagged because I left from Israel and I woke up, uh, you know, late afternoon or evening time and uh, Rachel was there in the kitchen and I showed her and I just started to bring out some of my souvenirs and I brought out that rubbing and I said, this is your great-grandfather's Matsaiva from his Matsaiva. And who was Rachel? Rachel's my uh, middle daughter. And that was like, you have no concept how meaningful that connection was because I had like literally a slap in the face to say this was a whole life and a whole you know heritage family heritage that uh, came alive to say that there's an actuality of uh, there's uh, here's something definite this is a rubbing from your great grandfather's grave and to me that I still have it and it's just like it's one of those wow moments and that uh, brings it uh, together. Well, thank you, Amy, very much. I know we didn't speak much in Yiddish, but this is the first time uh, that we've had a chance to talk with, uh, with someone who's spent um, a lot of time taking the effort to go there. sidetracked about going to Poland, but that all had to do with how you feel and, you know, that flavor that you have, you know, of listening to Yiddish, because that's the, that language. Uh, uh, here's another scenario. I remember going to, to Israel, and the, the taxi cab driver spoke Yiddish, and I was talking to him in Yiddish, and it was just like, here we have this commonality. What did he say? No, I was just saying, ah, the Kenzchad, no, obviously Yiddish, and this and that. So we were talking, and it was just like, here we have this connection. He was maybe from who knows where, Russia or this or that place. And here we were talking in Yiddish as a, as a commonality that we share. That's great, Amy. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today and uh, share your impressions and your, uh, your thoughts 
Um, and we look forward to speaking again. I, I always think that this is funny, that we had these Cocker Spaniel dogs as, as pets, and I would speak to them in Yiddish, so I think they were the only dogs that understood Yiddish. And I would say to the dog, they knew exactly to go to the door because they understood Yiddish. So they, they said, you know, we too, we're, we're part of that deal. Because uh, it's just the familiarity of hearing certain sounds, but they knew Yiddish. I would talk to them in Yiddish that they, if I would give them a command like Kim and that they would know to, go, know to go to the door. Anyway, that's my funny story. Great stories, Abie. And uh, again, appreciate you sharing your memories. And um, we, we had a great time growing up. Um, it, it was animated, to, to say the least. So thank you for being on our uh, program today. Stay tuned for La Kishmir and Yiddish. It was great. Thank you. Do not forget, the best way to support Kishmir and Yiddish is to rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Kishmir and Yiddish is hosted by Shloyme Devoila and produced by the Niche Podcast Network.